Good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, your host for this Hacking the Red Circle conversation, where we talk to people in the TEDx world you'll want to know better. The show is designed to learn what it takes to produce, organize, promote, and create a world-class event. If you're an experienced organizer, you'll get some great tips. Veteran organizers share lessons they've learned so that first-timers can avoid common missteps. There are hundreds of amazing people in the TEDx universe, and we talk to a lot of them. If this is your first time to the show, welcome. We produce Hacking the Red Circle every week. You'll want to subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. Now, on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I am back in the Midwest of America at Oshkosh, Wisconsin. I love Wisconsin. Those of you who know me know that. And I'd love to introduce you to a speaker from TEDx Oshkosh, Bethany Lurch. Bethany, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Mark. I am I am so thrilled to uh, get a chance to talk to you as a speaker for a couple of things. One, I, I want to hear... Um, I, I like to call it the road to the red circle, like what that road to the red circle was like. And then w- knowing that we have organizers listening to the show, I want to have them learn a little bit from your experience. And also we have, um, speakers and team members and people who are going to be speakers on the show. So I want to, I want to, we'll dive into all of that, but I want to start with, um, just tell us a little bit of, uh, who you are and, and, uh, and what you do and kind of what your day job is when you're not, uh, following things to the red circle. My elevator speech really isn't an elevator speech. It's more of a long-winded tale. I started out as an exchange student to Germany in high school, which set the set the oh. stage, really, no pun intended. And I ended up living and working and teaching in Germany and Scotland and the Middle East, and then most recently as a military trainer in Afghanistan. So I've been very much a back-and-forth uh, type girl between Wisconsin and uh, farther-flung parts of the planet. <laughs> Now, so high school as an exchange student, so was this something your parents found for you or something you were exposed to and you said, I'm going to, that just sounds so fascinating, I'm going to go do it? That was it. My mom is a high school Spanish teacher. Ah. I found a brochure in her room to go to Germany for one calendar year and I did that. And I never looked back and they signed on the dotted line. And ever since then, I've just been finding ways to go new places. But so, the- you, so, so you're traveling all around the world. And at some point you get introduced to Ted. What, how did that happen? I mean, you're an educator, so I'm going to guess it was in the classroom somehow. It wasn't actually. I was in Kabul, Afghanistan, when I got an email from one of the organizers of TEDx Oshkosh. They said, we would like to have this for the first time ever in Oshkosh, and we would really like to have you as a speaker. Can you make it back? And I wanted to. That was May 2016. Got it. Okay. Sorry. Keep keep going. So out of the blue, you're in Kabul, and- you get a letter from back home, said you need to come to the TEDx stage. Did you know what TEDx was? I did. You did? Because okay. I was a lecturer at a university in Germany, and I had used a number of TED Talks by Elizabeth Gilbert, for example, and Amy Cuddy from Harvard, and showed them to my students at the time to develop their sense of self and confidence in person. 
um, as speakers. Right. And I was very excited at the prospect of my little hometown in Wisconsin putting on its own oh, TEDx event. I and and that you would get to be a part. Had you ever? Um, so you're watching TED talks. Did you ever imagine yourself in the red circle? I, you know, I hoped for it, but I thought it might be too far fetched for me that I wasn't someone who had done enough in her life thus far. Maybe someday, but years into the future, I just hadn't reached that point. But um, I was honored to receive that invitation. And so did you say yes right away or did you cogitate on it a little bit? I said, well, our program here in Kabul goes for another two years. Maybe I could take a leave. And um, I I said, I'd take a leave. Definitely. I would orchestrate my time at home around the TEDx event. But unfortunately, our program was canceled before that. So then I could just be home. When you say our program, so you weren't there with the military. Who were you in Afghanistan with? Indeed, I was. It was with the Department of Defense that I worked for. Ah. I was a military trainer, military advisor, and we had a very special program whereby we trained Afghans who would go into the ministries of defense and interior to train their Afghan counterparts, their, their, oh. their, their countrymen, so to say. They know, that they know the culture already, and they're much more effective than Western contractors, Western troops, Western civilians. And so we trained Afghans, and they helped uh, improve their own ministries. So then this leads naturally to your talk, because your talk is about, and, and your program, your program that you run now is called Able To. So help me connect those dots. Absolutely. I'm going to have to back up the bus a little bit here. When I was going into graduate school, I was lucky enough to get a full scholarship from Rotary International. Uh, and it's called the Ambassadorial Scholarship, and it provides a full ride to a graduate school of your choice. I had determined as a military trainer that education was really a cornerstone to helping equip Afghans and Afghan women among them. I was a trainer for gender integration, helping um, the coalition and Afghans alike understand what it means to integrate women into their armed armed security forces. Got it. So I, I had met a number of very qualified Afghan women um, that were looking for these opportunities but didn't have those opportunities. At Fulbright, for example, is a very limited opportunity. And I thought, you know what? I bet we could make this happen through Rotary. Mm. And Rotary is what really came through to fund a graduate degree for a qualified Afghan woman at the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh. Okay, now this now this is making a lot of sense. So you bring the women from. So the funding comes from Rotary. The women come from Afghanistan. They're trained yes. in this program that you've helped co-author. Do you run the program, or you just kind of set it all up? I think I've set I've set it up with a great deal of help from Rotarians and individual community members, and it really runs on its own. None of us are paid. We just ensure that the money is there for their tuition, but the right. candidates are responsible for 15 to 20% of the cost, so they have some skin in the game. Right. And the real crux of this is that they go back to Afghanistan, serve as a role model, and continue to uh, contribute to the country's development. So – so that's so we we kind of understand the context now, and you get this letter, and you're they 
did they pitch your idea to you or did you say, no, I think this is what the idea is? Because sometimes that happens, right? They, the organizers will pitch the idea. So to tell me about that, because listener, what you can't see is the look on her face when I ask that question. <laughs> well, um, I was so excited at the prospect of, of having to develop something so huge. I knew TED Talks needed to be original. And I had a theory that the organizers of TEDx Oshkosh came to me because I have such a weird story. I've just been everywhere. <laughs> I have so many zigzags on my resume. Um, somewhere in there had to be a story and a lesson. So I made a list. I remember sitting on the couch where I was living at the time and I made a list of the four things that I could speak on with some relative expertise and passion. Okay. So I narrowed it down and I sent it to the organizers. Um, one of the organizers met with me in person when I came back for a short visit, said, this works, this doesn't, this doesn't, this doesn't. Maybe you could expound on this. Yeah. And yeah. from that, I had to, I pulled an idea out of this that it honestly took months to refine but it was original and it was something that ultimately I'm proud of. It took a great deal of work and discipline and it, it turned out as it should have. It makes me want to jump to the question I love to ask, which was the biggest surprise. And I'm going to guess that the amount of work, because you're a, you're a writer, right? So you're a writer, you're a teacher, you're used to presenting, you're you're comfortable in front of an audience, you're very thorough. I I get all of that. Yet here, this opportunity to give the talk of your life comes up. Was it significantly more work or dramatically more work than you thought? Well, back to what you said right there really was the talk of my life. And I knew that despite some of the audiences I had spoken in front of to include general officers in, in NATO and teaching them the framework with which we solve problems. I knew that this was different because it would be on a platform that could be shared right. really internationally. And I needed to have, um, I needed to have a moving message mm, mm. This was dramatically more work than I anticipated, but I was happy to do it. And I was, I felt good as I was working on it, constantly editing, constantly revising. And it was quite literally a very long walk to, to make this come together. I was what, on the Spanish Camino. What does that mean? <laughs> tell, tell me this story. There's a story here. I want to hear it. I memorized the whole thing start to finish. Um, I was walking the Spanish Camino, something of a bucket list item for me. And I had a main thesis statement, three supporting arguments, and a conclusion. And I hashed out the whole thing and edited and revised up until the very last minute I gave it. But I was memorizing as I wrote, as I revised. And I made myself recite my speech in parts, first the introduction, then the introduction mm -hmm. in part one, mm -hmm. et cetera. As I walked, I quite literally talked to myself and walked across Spain. <laughs> <laughs> so the Spanish Camino, so Camino is road. So the Spanish road, that goes across Spain. How long did it that take? It goes across Spain. It took a month, and it is oh, a um, month. called the, a journey, the way of St. Francis. I love that. St. Francis of Assisi? That St. Francis? I'm guessing. Perhaps. Perhaps. Perhaps the way of St. 
it's the way of St. James and the, the particular path we walked was called the way of St. Francis. It how, was the most common. How many of you? Um, I went with my partner at the time. He and I had um, been traveling together for uh, about two years. So you, yeah, so you're this international wanderer. I love this story. Um, so you're on, the, you're writing and you're memorizing and you're in your own head, yet you have a companion on this walk of your life while you're memorizing the talk of your life. Um, how did, how did, I'm in the weeds here a little bit, but I, I enjoy this. How did you create the space where you could have the quiet and solitude you needed? Or did, was he your audience of one that you could be practicing with? He read my content and he would tell me where I was off base, where I needed to tweak it a little bit. Um, but really, I did this on my own. I had a little notebook mm-hmm. and I would type it on my phone at night and then I would oh. write it and then I would read it. Mm-hmm. Um, I made myself memorize it by typing and writing and reading constantly. And so- I took a time out for Spanish wine and to enjoy the view every now and then. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm with you. So, so it, that, that, if you will, the, the hack on this, cause I, I know that I, um, I, my listener, people, you know, have actually said they can hear me taking notes while I'm doing the show because I'm writing. Cause for me, for me to memorize and be able to understand and get all the good stuff I need to write. So you said you would, you would type it up. So you'd be thinking about it. Then you would type on the phone. Then you would transcribe to your notebook because you're in the road and there's no printer uh, or a Kinko's near you. And then you would read it. So you type it, read it, type it, write it, then read it. And then, and then would you speak it out loud? Did you do that? Absolutely. Absolutely. I did. I love that. So, um, at the end of this month, now this month is how far before the event? We went over in September and the event was at the end of October. So I had two to two and a half months to develop it from zero to everything. <laughs> and I really, I looked at it every day. I had to look at it you every had day. To, and what right? I, I did. I was so intimidated, really, <laughs> but in a positive way. I wanted to get it right. Have you been to... Um, had you been to any other live events? Because there's a real difference uh, between watching TED Talks uh, and going to a TEDx event. Had you been to any TEDx events and had a sense of what the live vibe was about? No, I hadn't. But the actual day of, I was the last speaker. Oh, my. Jeez. <laughs> oh, oh. No I, pressure. I mean, no, it's, it's, that's. You know, to to last speakers around the world, it's gonna be okay. But I tell you, we uh, I, I, there's some Karen feeding. Uh, it's called talent management, <laughs> and you know, there's Karen feeding that you want because you're so up in your head, and it's so hard to not do that. And I did. Did you have some? What what got you through that day? Did you have a little trick? Yes, I yes I did, and this is for Dr. Amy Cuddy at Harvard. I actually practiced the power poses that I learned from your TED Talk. Oh, um, nice. Backstage, ten minutes, three minutes, thirty seconds before I went on, I had my hands on my hip and my hands in the air, and I was trying to feel more powerful than I actually felt. <laughs> <laughs> the, you know, it, it 
that really works. I mean, the, the reason it's one of the top 10 TED Talks on the planet is, I mean, that that really does work. Getting, And then one of the yeah. things that, you know, we try to coach people. And, and as I talk to people about coaching, you know, it's what what's that ritual, that little ritual that you have. And, and Amy's is such a good one. In fact, I'm going to, uh, when I finish the show, I'm going to go take a note and put it out to our speaker group. Go watch that again. And because of this uh, little affirmation, we will do that. One of the things I'm, you know, other than just the the scope and the self-imposed weight and import that you put on this on yourself, right? Because you're, you know, obviously you're you're a high performer and you set really high standards for yourself. Just look, just look at your life. That's just how you are, right? That's how you show up. So that's how you attack this program. That being said, there was a dragon in this story somewhere, Cinderella. Where was where was the dragon for you? The real challenge to overcome was my anxiety about this. And my anxiety came from how much I cared about it. Mm. As a graduate student, I studied Afghanistan. Um, I was a volunteer teacher for young Palestinian girls in the West Bank. I had such uh, I had such a fire inside and I wanted others to feel it. How could I craft a message to do that experience and really their lives justice? And how could we make their lives better? Mm. And what I found is, is that I had to remind myself every day to harness my anxiety and to be a compelling medium for my message. Mm-hmm. It's not about me and it's not about speakers everywhere, really. It's about the potential impact unto others of a logical, passionate, and well-articulated message. It's the audience action that comes as a result of your TEDx talk that is the most crucial element to consider. That's I, I wanted to get it right. I wanted to light a fire in other people. Um, hopefully to do with women and Afghan women and the promise of that country, but who knows how it moved them? As it, long as it moved them, it's uh, it was it's a universe. Your message is a universal one, but your direct experience with that, and the fact you wanted the the way you said that because it wasn't about you. And and I think as we think about speakers and we think about producing our TEDx, it's about the idea. The whole thing is ideas worth spreading and finding. It's idea first. Is that person that we're selecting the right vehicle to transmit that idea? Do they have the passion? Are you obviously you have the passion? Do they have the discipline? Do they have the what it's going to take to be able to launch that idea? I look at myself as an organizer as my job is to have everything conspire so that when you step into the red circle, everything works perfectly. And you deliver, you can deliver the talk of your life to the audience that's ready to receive that talk. And that through staging and all the other technical stuff we do, the talk is captured and it's beautiful and it's engaging. So someone wants to watch the entire time of the talk because they're not distracted by some funky looking prop or something dropped or some little something. But when it all comes together, as it did in your talk, for instance, you're just like, yeah, that's why you do it because you want it to go out and be listened to by, you know, tens of thousands of people to make change in the world. Now I'm curious. We we've talked about the road to the red circle. We've talked about the road of that darn day. Um, <clears throat> that was October. 
So now we're, you know, eight months since then. We're recording this in uh, in early, mid-August. Um, what's different now in your life as a result? You know, many things are very different for me. I have, um, I have stepped away from that very high-speed, fast-paced lifestyle, working on my own or traveling um, all over the world or with the government. Um, I live in my hometown, and I'm back in school for professional counseling, hopefully to help women and children of refugee yeah. backgrounds. Um, so I've dedicated myself to something a little bit quieter. Um, we take for granted oftentimes where we live and how good we have it mm -hmm. and um, the people in our own backyards that we can help here. So I'm, I'm trying to do that now. Is there an under, is, is there a gender integration opportunity in your hometown? Well, with respect to ABLE2, we hope to bring another candidate maybe next year. Mm -hmm. uh, that depends heavily on some of the policies that have changed recently with immigration and um, l letting folks in, if you will. Right, right. So there's a lot, of, a lot of balls up in the air. But I can tell you that our first pilot candidate finished her first year of her graduate program, and she was in the audience at that TEDx oh, event in Oshkosh. So there was there was a great deal of, of weight, and I wanted to I wanted to do well um, for her and and to help people understand where she comes from and her potential. And so we're really just trying to expand this very small initiative we have going to help one woman at a time who can then go back to Afghanistan and help many more women and far better than someone like I can because they know the language and the culture and they want their country to succeed. And that's, that's the secret of it, right? You, I, I think you saw that firsthand in all of the, and, and as much traveling as you did, you saw that, that it really had to come from the local uh, people and, but they needed some guidance and you knew how to provide that guidance. And, and that's where the idea is, is there, um, I'm curious, is there a, a book in your future or another way to, I mean, you love to write Is there a, a methodology or a modology modality? I think that's what they call it in educational circles. Uh, on, <laughs> I'm, I'm channeling my work at Brown, uh, that, uh, you, you know, you could like scale this thing up because, you know, one woman at a time, but that's, you know, 150 million women later, uh, you know, it, that's a lot of work. So had, have you considered that? I have, and there is something, we'll call it a document for the, for the, oh, our purposes. Okay, okay. Um, there's 60 to 70 pages I've written so far. Um, there's 200 more pages that I've written before and need to be gone through with a very fine tooth comb. Ultimately, I need to determine what my message is, what mm. what is the thesis statement of that book someday. And I haven't pinpointed that yet, but eventually it would be very lovely if I was able to put a book out into the world. But I don't want it to be about me. I want it to be about the people I met along the way. Would you, would um, you, they're the ones. Would you repeat that so every speaker could listen to that? Because I think we have to edit so much of the it's all about me out of their talk. Say that again. It's not about you, is it? 
it's not about me. It's about the people I met along the way who made me what I am. And there are more than a handful of people to whom I owe a debt of gratitude for making me a, a better person, better woman, um, stronger person, stronger woman. And I'd like to write about them and and how they have impacted me and others. Well, with with the renaissance in storytelling, which I think has been uh, has been helped with Ted and and everybody now is just so interested in stories. Having a book about these stories, especially you know the stranger in a strange land story, that's a, that's always a good um, a good format yeah. to work with, right? Because you 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 blow in and you're like, I just can't imagine you know a nice educated girl from Oshkosh, Wisconsin, which I love, just dropped into any one of the names you've mentioned during the show. Let's let's vector now to um, kind of the tactical bit of um, working with the organizers and uh, what did they do to help you as a speaker and what do you think another organizer might mirror as a result? What were some of the good things that happened? There were many good things that happened because of the organizers of TEDx Oshkosh and their time and effort. They really tried to shepherd us through this process with as much guidance as possible. Much of it came through email, and of course there there was a web platform. But they also took time to meet with us in groups or one-on-one. For those that wanted the extra help or feedback, they were available. Um, we had an opportunity to practice at the venue the evening before so we could hear the acoustics. And really, that took the nerves off. That took yeah. the edge off. Was it a dress and rehearsal or was it a full dress rehearsal or you just kind of stepped up and made sure the slides up. went and got it? And they checked you know, the mic, the levels, if our volume was okay, if something needed to be adjusted uh, in terms of audio. That was That was the big piece. So you're you're in Spain. You're kind of a lone ranger. You have a friend with you. You're you're typing, writing, reading, speaking every day for a month. Very solitary activity. Yet you said that you you would meet in groups. So once you came back, and the question in, there's a question in there, listener. Um, what do you think the value of the cohort of speakers is that's different than the value of you as an individual? Well, here are these who here are these really accomplished folks who all have these very different stories. Someone's a lawyer, someone's a biologist who studies elephants, someone's a magician, um, a composer. But you can come together because uh, you you care about what you teach. And you care about the community, and you care about helping others. Um, we had a, a get-together the evening before the event where we could introduce ourselves to one another if we hadn't met yet and um, to, to get to know one another. And there was, there was a sense of, of, of commonality and kinship there. Hmm. And I, it helped. We all sat together, really, on the day of, and talk to each other as though we'd known each other and, and that helped. It helped a great deal. There's um 
there's bonding when we go through really stressful life events, good stress, bad stress, whatever, but there is a bonding that happens. Uh, uh, the Mm -hmm. psychologist who's listening right now, cause probably yelling at the phone saying, Mark, it's this, write me a note, tell me what it is. But I know that there is that bonding that happens. And I'm really interested in that because, um, with our TEDx Santa Barbara, we would do one-on-ones with everybody and in onboarding them. Welcome. Congratulations. This is what you can expect. This is what we're doing. And, and then start the whole coaching process that way. Yet we've been, we have worked with, um, several TEDs where we go in and actually coach the whole slate. And it's like, let's get them all together and tell them all of this stuff at one time. Cause we're not going to have 16 one-on-ones with these people. And, this wonderful unintended consequence was, wow, they all bonded together as a cohort. And so now I'm now other organizers, you probably do this and you already know this. I've just learned it. And that's why I'm asking you, which is there's, there's something about that, that I think where you support and, and help each other with the nerves. I'm curious now that you, you know, you're a Tedster and you've given a Ted talk. Um, oh, have, has anybody, has any other TEDx, written to you and said, would you come speak at our event? Because that does happen, by the way. It hasn't been a TED or TEDx organization. It has been Rotary, actually. And I have spoken at some fairly large-scale Rotary conferences across the Midwest since that time. Um, Spoken at two, and there are two more. They're at um, district and conference and zone levels. So that's, that's been really... Nice. I enjoy engaging with Rotarians. They have a very gritty sense of making a difference and banding together to do that in their community and out in the world. So those have been really enjoyable. And your project, the the Able To project, which is funded by Rotary, is a wonderful example of that collective action that they take. And and so that is probably inspiring to the other groups, right? I've got to guess. It is. And Rotary is very much oriented on service above self, and that's mm. that's something um, I can really identify with, and I'm very glad to have supportive Rotary groups in town. But Able To is supported not just by Rotarians, but individual community members and donors as well. Yeah, I, I love the... I love the individuals who step up and say, this is really important and I can make an impact uh, with my investment. And it's not just... Um, help us uh, get this thing out. But it's like, we, I, they love what you're doing. Uh, they want to support you. They can support, they've got the means to support you with their pocketbook. And that helps a lot. I'm curious. So you, you said you, you've lived this wonderful wanderlust kind of life. And now you've come back home. You're, you're kind of chilling. You're back to school. But there's no way that genie is going to get back in the bottle. Just letting you know. So where, where, where on the planet are you kind of jonesing to go? And let's see if there's a TEDx there that we can get you to. I'll take that. Um, <laughs> I, I love, I love Germany. I have lived and worked ah. there for three or four years now, gone back and forth. I was a Fulbright scholar there and taught at a university in Leipzig there. Um, but I really enjoy the Middle East as well. Um, kind of, kind of anywhere. 
So I'm I'm open. New people, new places, new experiences. And you speak fluent German? Yes, I speak fluent German. There you go. So um and do you know that there were thirty six hundred TEDx's last year? I did not. That's a lot of TED. And That's did you a know lot that, TED. <laughs> that most of them live stream their events? And that, and I'm going to put a link to this in the show, uh, show notes that you can go on. There's a page on TEDx on TED where you can go find TEDx. So you could type in Germany, you could type in Leipzig and you could find when their event is and if it's live stream. And so you could get a, a little taste of TED and it'll probably be in German and you'll just love it and you'll kind of feel like you're there. So that's that. I, I promise that, that you could do that. I, I want to end this great conversation with um, what the hack, which is what's the thing as a speaker that um, really helped you get through it? The thing that you don't have to spend any money to do, but it makes all the difference in how your talk came off. Well, there's a lot of work and a lot of discipline involved. You have to approach your, your script every day if you have identified memorization as your tool. And I leaned very heavily on that. I told myself that if I rehearsed enough that I would develop muscle memory in my mouth, that I would simply know what words came next or the cadence would have cemented itself in my mind that the words would be there even if I had temporarily forgotten them and I would just be able to continue. So as I walked and talked and memorized, I can say with certainty that up on that stage, I was able to deliver an eloquent speech really or talk um, with very minimal mistakes. If you ask me, I could pinpoint them out to you, but mm-hmm. it's it's come off fairly well. Um, and it, it was, it went better than I had ever hoped simply by memorizing and taking the time to memorize. Congratulations on that. I, you know, in in coaching speakers, we, you know, they said, well, do I have to memorize my talk? And as much as they want to hear a no, the answer is yes. I mean, that is a style. Some, some people will say, when you're experienced enough, once you have the major beats lined out, you can do that. The challenges within 18 minutes, every word counts as you know, right? Cause you had to be super economical about what you were yes. doing, right? You're a writer and you know, I was like, can I say that line better? Cause that line takes up, you know, I only have how many words 18 minutes uses, but everyone counts. And it's really hard to, you can't wing it. Like those talks do not uh, make it into the top 10 lists of anybody's. Right. Right. And I think the other, the hack was, uh, I loved that Amy Cuddy bit, right? Just have that, (laughs) you know, and uh, that'll, that'll keep you going. And did you have, um, we we talk about uh, rehearsal rituals, but did you have any other, like we think about um, uh, lots of water, lots of sleep, uh, exercise, watch what you're eating. Like it's kind of like preparing the vessel for stepping on the stage. It's all the stuff you wouldn't imagine, but was there anything like that that you were paying attention to? That's a very interesting question. I don't know that I was paying attention to it, but we always had to drink a lot of water and summer in Spain is, is, uh, it's, 
tough. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I came home, in order to practice, I had two days before this event in Oshkosh, and I had just flown what? back from Madrid. What? Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. You'd, that's called burying so, the lead. You you were all by yourself until two days before, and you blow in, and so and you had jet lag. I had jet lag, so I'd get up oh. at four or five in the morning, and I would pace in the basement drinking water <laughs> and, <laughs> and rehearsing rehearsing my talk. So we probably don't advise people to fly in two nights before, but that happens. Uh, there, you know, yeah. especially <laughs> speakers who go and do international events, that happens all the time. You know, where they they do that. So um, yeah. don't don't do that. Get some sleep. Bethany, this has been a, a fantastic conversation. I really uh, have enjoyed it a lot. I know our listener will as well. Uh, is there anything I missed that uh, you would want to tell uh, a potential speaker about stepping into the red circle? Yes, I would tell anyone who's about to do this. It is a tremendous honor and privilege and to accept it despite your fear and really it's your fear that's the biggest obstacle, and you can overcome it. You can, you can direct it and manage it and control it for a really beautiful outcome. And I'm going to end it on that because I think I could make a T-shirt out of that. Bethany, thank you so much. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, hi to all of our friends there at TEDx Oshkosh. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for listening to Hacking the Red Circle. Have an idea for a guest for the show? Or would you like to tell us your TEDx story? Just drop me a note in an email to mark at hackingtheredcircle.com. Please be sure to rate, write, and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Makes a huge difference. And share the show with your team as we seek to grow our audience around the world. Until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for Hacking the Red Circle.